From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram of the United States Space Force. She's an author and an advocate working to support trans service members. Lieutenant Colonel Fram is the president of SPARTA, or an organization that advocates and educates about transgender military service and is dedicated to the support and professional development of over 1,300 transgender service members. A member of SPARTA since 2014, she focuses on policy and advocacy work. Additionally, she provides educational briefings on transgender and diversity issues to military and civilian audiences. Lieutenant Colonel Fram came out as transgender on the day the transgender ban in the military was dropped in 2016. She is currently the highest ranking out transgender officer in the Department of Defense. She is an active duty astronautical engineer in the U.S. Space Force, currently assigned to the Pentagon to lead space policy integration for the Department of the Air Force. She previously served in a wide variety of Air Force positions, including a Research and Development Command position and an oversight role for all Air Force security co cooperation activity in Iraq. Beyond that, she's also a published author. We will give her plenty of time to uh, talk about her book um, about the, you know, giving transgender military service members, uh, you know, showing their voices, showcasing their voices. So close, so close. Everyone, please welcome to the show, Bree. Oh, there you go. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show to share your story. And I'm very excited to get into all of the different intricacies of what it's like to roll out a new entire branch of the military and your part in that. Yeah, I'm excited to cover that and a whole host of other topics and, and see where we go. Great. So I'd like to start just the simple thing, just so we're all um, we are all on board. We know pronouns and all that. How do you identify and what are your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a transgender woman. And then to start off with my favorite question, how did you choose your name? My name was kind of a let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks conversation with my wife, where we had all sorts of ideas. And when the name Brie came out, I was like, yeah, that works. Well, that works for me too. Same first couple of letters uh, as uh, the name I was born with. Uh, so, you know, I'm not as likely to be like, what? Who? Uh, so okay. uh, as, as it was starting, that was important, you know, uh, to actually pay attention. Uh, but that was the name that worked for both of us. Wonderful. I love that when, um, yeah, you, you try something out and it just sticks and works right from the start. That's great. <laughs> Make sure you, if you like and, you know, like being here, need community, need support, you go ahead and hit the follow button. Consider subscribing. It supports what we're doing here on the network. All of the shows we're putting together and all the other services that we've got that we're offering in the transverse. Um, more of those even to come this year. All right. Getting back to you, Bree. When did you first realize that you were trans? What were those early signs for you? Well, that's an interesting question because it's a question of language and identity. And I knew something was different about me from a, from a very early age. Uh, I was Wonder Woman along with my sister for Halloween when I was three and four. Hmm. Uh, but 
to think of it as trans or as identity wasn't until much later in life. Um, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really started exploring my, my gender identity. And whether it was for a long time thinking of myself as a cross-dresser, then as gender fluid, and then I'm sure we'll come to it, but then getting to that point of, you know what, I'm, if I don't take the step to, to transition, I'm limiting my development as a person and as a leader. Uh, and that was not too terribly long ago uh, to make it to that point where I'm like, this, this is me, uh, this is who I am, and unless I embrace it, um, I'm not getting to the place that I need to um, in all aspects of myself. I really appreciate that, the thought that, you know, this is affecting more than just me. If I'm not completely out and open and honest, then I'm not leading effectively. That's a really interesting take on that. Yeah, that's been a big part of my journey and why I came out as trans publicly in the first place when the ban on, on transgender military service was first dropped in 2016. It was a lot of about how can I utilize my position, my experiences and where I'm at to support others? Uh, because I, I could have waited a week or a month or maybe even a year or more, but to be out, to be public, uh, to be an advocate, that requires a lot of yourself. And if your whole self isn't in it, uh, that's really hard. So there's been a number of places along the way where my identity has been important, uh, but taking the steps to move towards it have been driven a lot by not just myself, but how can I help others uh, move down the road and be their best selves? Wow, that, that is great. Um, and so what have you seen from that? Have, have you gotten any kind of feedback on that and the fact that you being out has impacted improved the lives or made it easier for any of your direct subordinates or um, anybody under them? Yeah, I've had incredible feedback and support from not only the people uh, that I have called, you know, the leaders in my organization, my peers, uh, but also for those that I've had the, the honor of leading. And when I did transition uh, and you show that additional level of vulnerability, even as a senior leader, that's a, a relatively rare trait in the military environment and particularly, but I think that's a really undervalued leadership trait, authenticity and more particularly vulnerability, because it shows you're human. It shows a different side of you and it shows a willingness to connect. So when I had several different people come to me with problems where they thought, hey, I can talk to you now, that was incredibly valuable because as a commander, I can't help fix a problem that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. So leading in a way that enables and allows your folks to come to you with those issues that may be personal or that may be difficult to talk to is really important because it enables you to work through it together and fix it. That's incredible. Yeah, as as I've been working this last year to start a company, um, it's I'm I'm noticing it's really hard to do that. That's sort of my basic philosophy and tendency is to be just it's sort of it feels like to overshare, and I feel the need a lot of times to kind of repress that and put on the stoic, strong face and 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 all of that. And so it's really interesting, especially in a service where that is a major part of everything that you've been able to to break through that and, and find the way to show that vulnerability. 
Yeah, it's it's incredibly important. And, and again, I think it comes down to that connection on a human level that I'm sure we'll talk about and, and you show in stories. It's that human connection, that little bit of vulnerability and like, oh, that person's been through some things. They might be willing to listen to me and understand the things that I'm going through. Um, so very much an underrated leadership trait. Well, and I also love the fact, you know, we're talking in terms of coming out as transgender. But, you know, I've long felt that coming out as transgender and showing that we can live as ourselves open and honestly and and be okay out there it just shows other people that they're free and okay to be themselves in any regard that they feel they need to so it isn't just pertaining to transgender folks i'm sure it, it really helps others uh, open up to you about other things oh absolutely anytime someone can can express these things about themselves and live authentically as whatever their identity may be. Uh, again, that, that enables that connection, that paves the way for others to feel the same, that if, if that person can be valued, so can I. And for any of us, whenever we don't have to spend mental energy protecting our identity, that allows us to use that energy to connect, to advance the mission, to focus on what's important, what's in front of us, be that our family, our job, or anything else. Uh, a world of possibility opens up when you're no longer protecting your identity. And what has been the response from your colleagues and higher ups? Have they been supportive of this? Has, has it, you know, come to their attention this specific thing? Oh, absolutely. And and again, I have been incredibly lucky in the support that I've received uh, from my leaders and and from all the people that I've been able to work with. So, but I, I acknowledge a lot of my privilege in that. Uh, from being white, uh, when initially coming out, being perceived as male, uh, from being a senior officer within the military, and then also from having a track record of performance, uh, it, at least in the professional arena, you know, that buys you a lot. Uh, and so my, the experience might be different for a young African-American or Latino in the infantry, in the Marines, uh, than it was for me working in a nerdy career field in the Air Force and now Space Force. Uh, so yes, there's there's been challenge for some, uh, but for me, it's been incredible. And I am so thankful, so lucky for the support that I've received uh, and from the opportunities that have come my way because I came out, because I've had this authenticity. Um, it's, it's enabled some incredible opportunities. So you mentioned that this that the, uh, the previous administration dropping this transgender ban was a catalyst for you to actually come out, right? I've got the, the timing on that, right? That was when it was announced or enacted. So I came out initially as trans during the Obama administration when the ban on transgender service was dropped for the first time. Was was In dropped, was removed. Yes. Okay. Uh, and it was when the Trump administration was actually putting the formal ban back into place uh, in March to April of 2019, that kind of put me through this crucible moment where it was transition now or maybe never, or at least while you're serving. Because with the ban going into place, there was a policy that said, unless you had a diagnosis of gender dysphoria prior to this date, the possibility of accessing any gender-related care within the service was gone. 
So that was that moment where I had to do that introspection. And whether the time was right or not, that was my now or never moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had always fought against a gender dysphoria diagnosis because though I was trans and I knew it, I never wanted that on my medical record. Because as a component of the diagnosis, it says you experience clinically significant distress uh, in work or social situations. Mm -hmm. I never felt that. It wasn't that that phrasing, that wording, clinically significant distress is so wide open. And to me, that's that negative. That's that you're broken. There's a problem. That was never me. Um, And I never wanted that because it could potentially be used against me. But I had to bite the bullet at that time again, because if I didn't, I'd lose potential access to any sort of care. And again, I'd be stunting myself as an individual and as a leader. Mm -hmm. So I had to get through that crucible. So you mentioned, you know, leading up to, you know, discovering that that you were trans. Was there anything in particular that cracked your egg? No, uh, in terms of being trans, something that's always part of me. Um, while that, that moment may have set the timing of, of transition, uh, when, when that began, let's say, in earnest uh, because of external policy, in terms of am I trans? No, that was a development of a lifetime. That was knowing I'm different and just coming to understand it. Uh, over time, getting the words right, getting the terminology right, and getting the sense of self uh, within me to that point of, you know, now let's do something about the exterior uh, to match where the interior is at. That's great. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Was there any hesitation once you you made that decision that um, that this was the time? Did Did that realization that, okay, this is really happening now? Did that give you any pause or was there anything else that that kind of flooded into your mind that you had to consider and work through? The only thing that gave me pause was the longstanding fear from my wife about what transition would look like and do to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and where whereas it was time, it was the right thing for me. There's still that. What am I doing to you? How does this affect us? Uh, And so working through that, while it never, you know, said stop or, you know, you need to take a different direction, um, it was still that that concern and that that nagging worry of what does it look like when we get to the other side? How do we move forward as a couple and as spouses? Mm -hmm. If you're willing to share, what were some of the key the key takeaways from that? What were some of the key conversations that you were able to work through? to to get through that to make her feel comfortable and confident that she was along for the ride this was this was something that she was going to be part of and not something that was happening to her well i don't think there was ever anything where i could make her comfortable and confident you know that and that's something where i i always say uh people should talk to her because she can express that way better than my vision or my understanding of of where she was at because uh, I give a very one-sided perspective, uh, even though we did communicate and I understood what her fears uh, may be. Um, and I, I always hoped that the fears were overblown, that the fears were, you know, worst case scenario type type ideas, and that we'd get to a place that was good. But 
transition wasn't just about me. You know, the world changed for her, both when I came out uh, and then when I transitioned uh, and the perception of people of her and who she was changed on a dime. Uh, so it certainly, it wasn't just about me. It was about us and it was about her all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think let's go ahead and, and jump into some of that. What was the the level of support from your family when you came out? And I know, you know, fr from that, then that dovetails into the level of support from her family. Yeah, when I came out, my family was uh, incredibly supportive uh, and, you know, almost nothing but but love from my family. I, I will say it was a little tougher with my dad because it was kind of like I punched him right in the macho. Uh, and, you know, the, the what did I do reaction? How did we get to this place? Uh, but he's come around. He's he's fantastic. Uh, and the rest of the family has been been amazing. Uh, when my mom was the first person I told other than my wife uh, and her first reaction was, all right, do you want my jewelry when I die? Uh, and I'm like, uh, OK, because uh, like, it's not going to your sister. Uh, so <laughs> she doesn't wear it. Uh, <laughs> Oh, okay. She's not gonna wear it. I thought that was, thought that was going somewhere very different. <laughs> no, nope, uh, it was simply she doesn't she doesn't wear it, and and I'm I'm the oldest, so I guess I get first right of refusal uh, mm -hmm. on some of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, my family was was fantastic. But on on Peg's side, she lost friends and family when I came out. You know, over nothing more than who she loved. Uh, her parents didn't speak with her for almost a year. And though they're, they're speaking now and, and on much better terms, she has other family members and, and other friends who at the time she considered some of her best that are just gone. So while I got all this love and support, mm -hmm. to see her go through some of the negatives was really difficult. And I mean, that, that's just so shocking, isn't it? That she honored her wedding vows. She stayed true to you and stuck with you. You were the same person inside that she married and and she honored everything and thus was, you know, next to saintly. And yet she was the one that got all the pushback. That's just crazy to me. Yeah, it is. It is really wild that, you know, both from family and, and friends who just like this doesn't reconcile with my belief system. And how can I possibly be friends with you? And you're like, you've been friends with this person all along. She's no different. What changed other than public knowledge of who she loved? Yeah. So, yeah. Crazy. I think who she loves is the same person like they exactly. were on board before. Why is it different? I, I this again another tangent i could go off on for, yeah a, a soapbox to stand on and and rant all day right was there anybody when you came out that supported you in a way or a degree that was more than you expected i i can't say that there was um because honestly i had high expectations of of my friends and family they are my friends are my friends for a reason and they are good people uh and and they were amazing uh my family i am lucky to be part of an incredible warm loving family uh and and their supports um well you know not guaranteed uh has been at the level where i expected it to be and again i am so lucky so thankful to have it 
Uh, but I, it would be hard to point to someone at that point and say, wow, they were someone who I didn't expect to be supportive. And, and all of a sudden they were, mm-hmm. um, I, I got what I, I expected in a way, and I'm so lucky and thankful for that. So you are, you know, you've, you're at a, a, a decently high rank in the military. I'm sorry. I'm not super familiar with the, with the ranks, but I know you're, you're high enough up to where it's, it's substantial. And you know, you've decided that you're coming out. Did you have anybody at that time at that time to turn to or to look to as a role model or a confidant? So there have been some people that that I've definitely they looked to, uh, sought counsel of. Uh, one of the one of the big ones that I, I spent some time with was Amanda Simpson, uh, who was a, a presidential appointee in the Obama administration. Was the first uh, trans presidential appointee. Uh, that came first to the Department of Energy, then to the Department of Defense. Uh, she's also an awesome engineer, you know, done a lot of flight tests. So someone I could really look up to that's really accomplished. And, you know, having that caliber of person to be able to talk with and talk about what are some of the professional challenges, you know, you've faced? Uh, how are some of the ways you've, you've gone about tackling those things? Uh, as well as some of the folks I know that have, have done well in the military uh, and just sought, you know, their advice. Uh, and they didn't have to be trans. They certainly didn't have to be trans because to me, it's it's much more about a, a leadership challenge than anything else. Uh, so, yeah, there are some great people out there uh, that have helped me along the way. Was there a key piece of advice that you got that that sticks out to you that really helped you? <laughs> no, <laughs> there really hasn't been. Uh, you know, I, I could think back and like, what, what was it? What? N- no, um, I, I think it's just a, it can, an amalgamation simply of being around other people who are authentic and who are the, who are themselves and seeing that and understanding it and doing that learning on your own about not only who you are, but what this means for you as um, as a leader, as an individual, as a member of your family, all those things that you can just kind of absorb by both being part of the community and reading and learning. Um, there's so much uh, out there. Uh, and, and I hope people have these sage bits of advice that just stick with folks. Uh, but I have both a terrible memory and just this sense that it was an amalgamation of things. And what was your experience in coming out specifically at work? What was the response there uh, right when you did it? So when I came out at work, it was the day and literally the minute the ban on being trans in the military ended. And when that happened, I had an email ready to go to my colleagues in the office and at the same time also a Facebook post to friends and family uh, coming out in, in one big boom, basically. Um, And when the Secretary of Defense finished speaking, announcing the end of the ban, I hesitated uh, because I was nervous about hitting post, hitting send, but I eventually got that courage, uh, did that, and then I ran away. Uh, (laughs) I went down into the bowels of the Pentagon. Uh, I found the gym, which is buried underneath it. 
and I went nowhere faster than I'd ever gone before uh, on an elliptical machine with all the energy that I had uh, of, you know, nerves. What's the reaction going to be? But when I got back to my desk, my colleagues walked over one by one. They shook my hand and they said, it's an honor to serve with you. Uh, so I was just floored. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, all the privilege I had in that um, based on, on who I was and, and my record and my contribution to the mission. But still, they went above and beyond in making that gesture. Uh, and it, it, it was really the reverse of what they said. It was my honor to serve with them. That's a truly inspiring story. And, and it's, just, it's, an, it's, it's a very inspiring thing to hear that, you know, again, a, a branch of service that is notorious for being old fashioned and stuck in, in their ways uh, to be that progressive and that supportive is really wonderful to hear. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I think overall, uh, the military is incredibly supportive. Of, of trans folks at this point. And again, it's what can you bring to the team? You know, are, are you gonna contribute and be part of the mission that we're trying to do? Then awesome, come on in, because we need your brain power. Our more ethereal question, a little bit of a thinker, what does transition look like or mean to you on a deep level? It simply means authenticity. It means reaching for your full potential. Um, and I go back to the, the thought that authenticity, being yourself, really is that ability to reach for the stars. Uh, and when we spend that mental energy protecting our identity, that puts this filter in our brains that has to sit in between our thoughts and the words that come out of our mouth are the actions that we take. And when you have that filter in there, no matter how good it is, how fast it is, you're not at your best because you're slowing down just a little bit. You can be good at what you do. You can be great at what you do. You can't be as good as you can be at what you do without that authenticity, without removing that filter, without dedicating your identity protection to self and to mission and to goals. Mm -hmm. That's very important. And wow. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting to think about that, that, you know, that that's where the, the lack of authenticity comes from is that filter that we do have to have in place that's, that's always checking what we're saying and making sure it's not divulging something. It's not belying what we're, we're hiding behind. Right. Is it protecting, you know, where was I on Saturday night or who was I with or what was I wearing? You know, real simple things or even, you know, pronouns in terms of your spouse and getting that type of thing right. Uh, so, yeah, all sorts of things that you might not think are much, but they add up to something and they're always limiting in some way or another. That fully explains the amount of stress that we feel as trans people and, and you know, that builds to our eventual coming out, which is basically explode and, and you know, we, we just have to because we can't take it anymore. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's interesting, I think, how for, for trans folks in particular, but for LGB folks in, in general, LGBTQ folks, certainly, uh, how coming out isn't always the big boom or it isn't the boom and then you're done. It is just this continual process 
Uh, and again, you know, it's, you know, who were you with? What, what are your spouse's pronouns? And for trans folks, you know, it's, it's interesting that I out myself when I'm talking with folks at work and they're like, oh, you have a wife? I'm like, okay, yes. Now, now you know that, you know, I'm in a lesbian relationship, but they're like, oh, how long have you been married? Well, I've been married 17 years. Uh, well, wait, was gay marriage legal back then? I'm like, well, no, but so, I mean, you get to these simple situations that out you, no matter where the conversation is going, even if it's totally casual. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just something we, we have to look forward to dealing with forever. <laughs> so um, after that general question of what transition means, how far do you feel you are in your process of transition? I don't even know that that's relevant. Uh, it, it's all about, are you your best self, uh, to me? And I absolutely think that, that I am, or I'm striving towards it. And so where that means I am now in terms of physical things, I, I, I hesitate to put that point on a, on a map at all. As in, as long as you're moving forward to being your best authentic self, the rest, you know, kind of falls to the wayside to me. As you were on the precipice of coming out, did you have a set of goals or a plan in mind? And has that changed or shifted as you've moved along? I think most of my goals were simply about, again, reaching my potential as an individual, as an advocate, as a leader, as a member of the teams that I was part of. So it, it really wasn't a, a plan of, I need to do X, Y, Z. Um, it's just simply, how do we move forward? How do we keep the ball moving um, as an individual and as a team uh, to get better, to be better, to do better? That's so great to hear. As you moved along, what were the key fears that you ran up against and how did you overcome those? So I think the, the fears we, we touched on briefly was really about, you know, relationship issues and how might this affect um, my wife? How might this affect the kids? Uh, and, and how do we work through some of those things in the most positive way possible? Uh, but I, again, I am so lucky and so privileged that I never had fear of me. I never had fear of what people's reaction is going to be to me. Uh, and that is so dependent on my position in life, my socioeconomic status, and the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. So with the incredibly positive attitude that you have um, and your focus on just being your best and most authentic self, do you struggle with any forms of dysphoria? And what are those? You know, there's that general, oh, I don't, don't feel so great today. Um, you know, I, you can still see things in yourself that aren't ideal, but it's not something that I ruminate over that I, I like to think that I, I struggle with because it's not important to me. You know, there are all sorts of things. I could do, I know I, I could look a lot better and I'm, but not my focus. I have so many other things going on 
that that internal stuff is never something that I tend to get hung up on. And a lot of it is just personality that I am not a worrier. I do not, you know, hold something and, and let it build or, or ruminate on it for hours or, or days. I'm like what's next? What's the next cool thing I have? What are the, uh, all these opportunities? And so my problem tends to be more of the bing, bing, bing of, Oh, I could do that. I could do that. We can do this. Let's do that. Uh, and just thinking of all the neat things that we can do or should be doing and trying to work towards that rather than, oh, this sucks. <laughs> um, it's just I have this very positive forward looking attitude uh, and so many cool things that I want to do that I can't spend time on any of those things that might just hold me back. Oh, very interesting. See, I find that I've got a lot of that chaotic energy, either the, either the pin pong, pong ball or um, the yeah the, the pinball kind of a thing, or the ooh shiny thing. Um, but ooh, what's that notification that just popped in? What's that email? Yeah. But I still seem to find time for the um, the you know self consciousness and dysphoric moments and things like that. So with a lack of that for you, do you still? find a need to or do you still do you have any kind of routine or things that you do to to feel and find validation in yourself in your trans identity the validation that i get is from the work that i do not the, the me that i present to the world uh there is nothing that makes me feel better than getting a call or an email from someone that I've served with, particularly people that are now in, in leadership positions of their own, and they say, I've got a trans airman in my unit, or I have a trans soldier working for me. How do I support them? That's validation. Mm -hmm. That's winning, because that's the opportunity to set culture, to develop it, and to help them help their folks uh, reach their full potential. And knowing that if they can do that, the people that they help are gonna go to the ends of the earth for this leader that provided such a supportive environment. Um, so very little could be more rewarding than the work we're doing from an individual education advocacy and a public policy advocacy standpoint for me. That's amazing. I think, uh, chat, we've officially found the new transverse role model. Um, <laughs> we can forget all others and just focus on Brie now because that, that is so inspiring and such a great outlook on things. And yeah, I'm definitely going to take that to heart. And, you know, I, I've been trying to focus on that, but it seems like I've still been able to find that space to focus a little too much on myself and my own worry. I'm going to try and move past that. That's great. Yeah, some, and it, it's great to, for me, the other validating thing is seeing some of the other heroes that are out there doing incredible things. There are a couple service members I know that, you know, really embody that attitude of I'm doing this to make it easier for the people that follow me. I know I'm going through all sorts of terrible things. I'm hopping over hurdles and it sucks. But if I don't do it, who will? And if I don't raise a stink and advocate for better policy, who will? And then if I can persevere and get through it, you know, the other person coming up three years later is gonna have such an easier time because we've blazed the trail. So 
Trailblazer is a word that I love because it's not about seeing how far you can go, how high you can get. It's about creating the path that others can follow. And it's so much easier for them to go down so that when you're done, they can go further. Mm-hmm. What were some of those key hurdles that you found in, in your pathway? For me, it's been mostly about being educated, being in the right places at the right times, and really getting into the rooms and the places where decisions are happening. The hurdle has always been, you know, policy being developed about us without us and trying to knock down those doors to say, listen, listen to the lived experience of the people who are going through this policy and have to work with it instead of just developing this idea of who and what trans people are and who and what trans people are going through without ever talking to trans people or getting them involved in the decision-making process. So that's the big hurdle for me is just opening the doors, making those connections with decision makers within the Department of Defense on Capitol Hill or anywhere else that are making or discussing policy without us. So one of your biggest hurdles has just been breaking through with common sense? (laughs) Yeah, it's about finding those pathways, finding those closed doors, and what's the trick to open it? Is is it a key that I need? Is it a sledgehammer to just knock it open? Hmm. What is the leverage I have to open that door so we can have a conversation? And do you feel that your position as lieutenant colonel has really um, made some of those hurdles easier to knock down or get over? Yeah, and and it's interesting uh, because it's all relative. Uh, My position and my rank as a lieutenant colonel means something in some places, and in others it's like, well, you're a nobody. Uh, You know, unless you have general stars or admiral stars on your shoulders um, or you're, you're in a certain type of role, you know, you're just getting coffee uh, for for others. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, it makes a difference. It really does. It it opens doors for me, and it has made my journey within the military so much easier than some of our junior enlisted personnel that have six or seven different layers of supervision to get through to get an approval on a transition related step in their journey. Or I can just walk into my boss's office and say, "Sir, ma'am, sign this." Uh, and they're like, you've got it. Uh, so my privilege and the rank having its privilege in that is is incredible. Uh, but in some policymaking circles, yeah, I'm a, a middle manager at best. Uh, and it's, it's tough, you know, to figure out, again, what's the lever I use? If it's not my rank, what is it? Is it the story? Is it uh, that I'm a constituent, that I'm an advocate, that I'm president of, a, of an advocacy organization? What hat do I wear to make the most difference in any given situation? That's, that's, that's so perfect. Um, I'm going to go ahead and try and wrap up, you know, and, and skip over some of these because there's so many other questions about what you do outside of your story that I want to get to. And there's a lot coming in from chat. Um, you mentioned already that there's a lot you feel you've been able to accomplish because of your transition. What are some of the things that you're most proud of in that specific arena? 
Well, I'd like to think, and I'm pretty sure this is true, uh, that I was the first trans person in the Department of Defense, or certainly in the military, hired for a position because I was trans, uh, which is kind of cool uh, that uh, I got a job as as a, an executive officer to a two-star general uh, because I explained like the week after the ban was dropped all sorts of things about, well, what does this mean? What, is, what does policy mean? How do we support people? And a week later, he said, would you like to be my exec? Uh, which is a which is a great developmental position because you can learn from someone who's several levels or more above you uh, in the military. So that was kind of a, a cool accomplishment. Uh, but but what I tend to be most proud of are the accomplishments we've made in aggregate, and and particularly getting back to an era of open policy, getting through the years after Trump tweeted that we were a burden on the military service and getting back now to open service where everyone can be authentic and who they are and access medical care, that's huge. And getting through there while supporting thousands of transgender service members, not losing anyone to suicide or depression at that time, keeping so many of them into in the military and fighting for a better future, that's huge. Um, and it's, it could have been that way without me. Uh, but collectively, I am so proud of what we've accomplished and the resilience that transgender service members have shown in getting back to this point, despite the huge psychological burdens that were on them then, and some that still exist today, knowing that a future administration could flip the switch and go right back to an institutionalized policy of discrimination. What is the what is your favorite thing that you've learned either externally or about yourself throughout your journey? Well, that's a that's a difficult question and not something I've I've reflected on. I think it has to do with the depth of connection that can come from authenticity and vulnerability as the, that we came out before. I, I wrote an article uh, about leadership lessons learned um, shortly after I transitioned and, and had my first couple of months uh, on the job as my authentic self, you know, again, while, while in a command position. And the things that basically opened my eyes, uh, the blinders that were removed to some of the problems and challenges other people were facing. And again, that connection that we were able to build so that we could work on and solve those issues or at least help try and mitigate it or even just have that ear uh, to listen to someone that might not have been there before. So the blinders that were removed um, and the openness that I've continued to develop to new ideas, new perspectives, um, and the understanding of intersectional identities uh, it's it's been a learning experience all along that's so wonderful and as we close up this section the big question we like to ask all of our guests what is, what is the key piece or pieces of advice that you have to give to young or closeted trans folks out there again a really tough question because it's so individualized uh based on someone's circumstances you know i would never say that I have a better idea of what someone else should do than that person does. Uh, but 
I just like to offer up that there is a world of possibility out there for trans people. Uh, you can be valued, you can be loved, you can be who you are, and you can reach for your best self through authenticity, wherever you are, uh, in terms of either a transition or just your gender identity, your, your sexuality, uh, anywhere on the spectrum is valid. And it's an important place for all of us to understand that uh, our journeys are our own, but seek out and find those friends and allies, or even just those people willing to listen uh, and, and revel in it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash The Transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Transverse. Be sure to grab Bree's book, With Honor and Integrity, Transgender Troops in Their Own Words, available on Amazon. If you love what we're doing and want to help support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash The Transverse. 